0: Tune into Haycar's new podcast series, The Road to a Simple Life. And join me, Vernon Kay, as I chat to McFly's Harry Judd, Ian Haste of Haste Kitchen, and Money Magpie's Jasmine Bertles about how they keep things simple across their family, food, and financial lives. The Road to a Simple Life is brought to you by Haycar, the new website for used cars that promise to make finding your perfect used car simpler than ever. Find us on all major podcast channels or head to haycar.co.uk forward slash simple for all of the episodes. This is Business Inspires, a monthly podcast of the Tri-Village Chamber Partnership. To run a successful business, you need resources, valuable connections, and community recognition. Business Inspires will provide you with the tools, resources, and examples to inspire you to create the business you're envisioning. Here's Michelle Wilson, Executive Director of the Tri-Village Chamber Partnership.
1: I'm very excited to have with me today, Hernando Posada. He's the owner of Mill Street Distillery and the newly opened Endeavor Brewing Company. Thank you for being with me, Hernando.
2: Good morning, Michelle. Thank you.
1: So glad to have you. Uh, It's exciting. It's an exciting time for you. You've just opened a a new project, and um, so we'll talk about that. But what I really want to um, start with is what we ask. The first question we ask all of our guests is, when you were little, what did you want to be when you grew up?
2: That's a great question. It's funny, Michelle, because my father is a physician by trade. And so I knew after so many calls in the middle of the night that it was not something that I was going to do. It was (laughs) three o'clock in the morning. He'd be getting a call. And it was in the days where, you know, as a primary care physician, you'd run off and have to go help somebody in the middle of the night. And it was a difficult thing. So, and as I got older and went through my education and into American politics, I understood how regulated that industry became. So what I decided from the very beginning that it was that I wanted to do business. I've always loved business. I like finance. I like marketing and sales and I like interacting with people. So I got into government and from government, I uh, learned and had a tremendous opportunity to work with high ranking officials all over the state and the country and the world. And then from then I knew that once I left, and made my contribution, at least at some level, that I wanted to get into business.
1: Wonderful. So you spent how many years in Um, the government industry?
2: In total, almost 17 years. So I started uh, underneath the Bush administration. I assisted in the Bush administration with a group called the United States Information Agency, which is part of the State Department. And then I had the pleasure of working with, at that point, Governor Celeste, that was developing a cabinet-level agency, which would be the first of its kind in the nation, to focus on drug and alcohol treatment and prevention. That was at the beginning of the crack baby epidemic. So I had the pleasure of working towards the latter part of his administration and then came in to work for a wonderful gentleman who was really one of my favorite governors, and that was Governor Voinovich, who recently passed away. but Fantastic man. And and uh and became one of the youngest deputy directors in the history of the state, which I'm very proud of, and had a chance to architect with it a wonderful team and a super uh, amount of support from both the House and Senate at that time to create this agency that addressed alcohol and drug addiction.
1: And you were a direct part of that?
2: I was. I had the ability in the team to develop clinical protocols for primarily pregnant women in their last trimester because it was a huge issue. And the argument that we made really was that treatment was an economic issue. Whether you're left politically or on the right politically, the point really was that we knew that if we successfully could treat individuals, that those individuals could become taxpayers again. And it's ironic that this entire cycle has now come uh, to fruition again, wherein we're dealing with an epidemic in the state that I haven't seen since I was in the field that long ago with respect to opiates and synthetic heroin.
1: It's frightening what's going on right now, but it I'm really so glad. Is. I mean, you're you're clearly well versed in it, and it's interesting that um, it's kind of the uh, the medical background of your father that kind of ties in to to everything that you did with um, within the government and and writing legislation. And
2: you're right. I think in retrospect, as I think about it, and I haven't really thought that much about that component, but truly, while I didn't get in to become an MD helping people with something that I always loved and interacting with individuals to to try to help them in any way I could. And I was given that opportunity, as so many of us was, were, especially in that first class under the Vojnevich administration. He was a unique politician because he set aside his ego and he really concentrated on advancing the ball, no matter whether you were going to support him or not, really helping Ohioans. And so he understood that There was a careful balance relative to treatment and addiction, and as I said, the argument of economics, as taxpayers, we all really needed to do something about that problem. So it was, he had a heart, obviously, but he also had an economic mind, and that combination was, I think, is a rarity in American politics today.
1: Very cool that you got to be a part of that and be with him and and, uh, spend time with somebody that you respected so much. And... Knowing you, as I do, um, one of the things that has always stood out to me about your personality is that is your kindness
2: and, kind and your you. care you.
1: for other people, and I think that clearly shows, and I'm sure had something to do with your upbringing and, and uh, what you do every day, so I appreciate that about you.
2: That's very kind of you.
1: And um, was, gosh, one of the first times I met you, uh, I was planning, I think maybe the second Dig Fest, and... I was struggling with uh, getting my liquor permit for the event, and you said, "What can I do? How can I help you?" I, I know some folks, and you helped me, and it was great. No, <laughs> so, it was my pleasure. It was I, really I good. always
2: try to do my best to, to, to assist individuals in any way I can, and I thought what you were doing was a wonderful thing. It was a great opportunity. It was creative, and certainly, if I could help, I uh, somebody such as yourself or whomever, I. Try to jump in if I can.
1: And you did. <laughs> and I appreciate it. Thank you. I think another interesting thing about your background is that now you are operating um, distilleries. Yes. And, uh, or a distillery and, uh, and with multiple products, and, and, and now you're at the new brewery. So let's talk first about the distillery. That's sure. a few years old now. Sure. Three, three years old? It is.
2: It's almost five how Tom is flies, it five? right? Oh almost my, five years. It's incredible. Yeah. And it's been a tremendous experience. I think, again, the. The thing that I love about it is the interaction and kind of the the intersection of, of regulatory uh, issues along with business and how to kind of navigate that situation as best possible. And so I'm so proud of the fact that we've been able to not only get the business moving in the right direction, create a fantastic set of products – of course, I'm, I'm biased but, – <laughs> but also um, – To be able to change Ohio law, we had several of the distilleries in central Ohio that were struggling relative to some changes that needed to be done. They were kind enough to approach me and say, you know, we understand your political background and your experience. Would you like to assist in spearheading an effort to change law? So I said, absolutely. And we were successful in making changes that now allow local businesses like Watershed and Middle West to include in restaurants uh, at their location and expand their production capacity, which historically was 10,000 gallons per year, and now it's 100,000 gallons per year. And so again, and it's kind of consistent with the argument that I made back in the day when I was in the substance abuse field, it was an economic argument. We came in and met with leadership and said, we understand what we're up against. Some of the largest Alcohol producers in the world really don't want the small businesses to be successful at some levels and they throw a lot of money politically at, at issues such as this and we had a, a fight on our hands. So what we really archi- develop as, as architecture for the plan was to say, if we want to expand our business, we can't attract investment if we can't increase our production capacity. So – and that in turn creates jobs and economic development uh, issues and opportunities for Ohioans. We purchase our glass in Ohio, our barrels in Ohio, our grain in Ohio. Those are all things that are in an up and coming business and vertical are increasingly important because, as you know, small and medium sized businesses are really the economic engine of this country. So we wrapped ourselves with that argument and the Ohio flag, and we were successful in passing legislation in about six months. It was on the governor's desk and signed by him.
1: In six months? Yes. That's amazing. Yes
2: was exciting.
1: I mean, what? How, did you expect it to go that quickly?
2: No, I really didn't. I think the, the other distilleries were wrestling with it for a number of years. And so I decided to put down a few things that I was involved in and concentrate my efforts there. And I think as a team, we really hit on all cylinders. We made uh, our argument to the right people and within the administration and both within the House and Senate. And I applaud leadership. And both the House and Senate to really support us and get it through, but it was uh, it was a lot faster than I expected, considering the uh, resistance that we had in the past.
1: Sure, and and do you think that that resistance softened a little just because of the um, the change in industry that these were cropping up all over the country, and and you know we didn't want to be so far behind. The I think game? at
2: a I think at a certain level, yes, Michelle, I think that helped quite a bit it was almost as though we were catching a wave at the perfect time. Mm -hmm. And I think we also, it's hard to make an argument against creating Ohio jobs. And I always look at business and politics in such a way in which you need to make sure that you make a salient um, argument. As I said, the intersection between economics and business with also, also with with a heart, but in passion, but you can't just focus on one side of the equation or the other. I mean, a lot of times, and I don't mean to get on a political soapbox, but you see individuals or groups that are just pushing it for a particular reason, and this is the way that they feel. Well, I think it should you should try to ensure that you try to get and, and cast your net as far as possible to get as much support as you can. And sometimes individuals go beyond just what they feel. It's also how does it impact your wallet? How does it impact the economy? How does it, and that, that philosophy has been effective for me when it comes to making an argument politically.
1: Great. Yeah. It's fascinating to me. I mean, there's, there's so, it goes so deep. And I think that, um, I remember when the distilleries were just popping up here in central Ohio and I think there maybe were a handful in the state and how many are there now? Do you know? I, mean, I think well in total
2: 100%. we have over 21 now. It's amazing. Yeah, we have 21 across the state. Our Distillers Guild alone, I think, has 17 members. So okay. it's it's amazing, and we anticipate to exceed 30 by year's end. So they're popping up across the whole state.
1: And there's over 100 in our just our region.
2: But, yes. Yeah. Yeah. In the region, the Midwest there's over 100, and it's just an ever growing business. Right. And so it really, I think, says a lot to. I think the Ohio public and the general public across the country where they want to be able to support local. And if you can provide a quality product, uh, that's developed locally, supporting the economy, creating jobs, they'll be willing to pay maybe a little bit more because of course the volume isn't there necessarily to, to reduce the cost overall in the equivalent to like one of the larger distilleries from across the country. But. That is the grand equalizer for us when it comes to marketing, and it's become extremely effective. The key is to be able to use it in such a way where you can use it with laser-like precision because just saying that you're local isn't enough, you have to have a product to back it up. You have to have a team that can deliver a, a product where you can feel comfortable that you'll put aside uh, any other product of its equivalency and its, and its type And a person will say, you know what, I'll drink this. I'll drink it in comparison to anything else that's on the shelf out there that is of equal price or
1: value. Great. And so why Mill Street? What what made you just make that leap and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And this is my next step. And why the location? And and
2: Well, it's funny. Mill Street, in particular, it was initially a heartfelt decision because my family is originally from uh, Columbia, South America, but I was born in the States and first generation and mom and dad, dad immigrated to go to medical school in Massachusetts. And then from there we moved to Pittsburgh and from Pittsburgh to Ohio. So I went from inner city Pittsburgh to a tiny little town called Mount Vernon mm-hmm. in Knox <laughs> County and talk about a huge shift, right? From the fourth grade to go from a enormous school to a small little country school um, it's primarily an agricultural community. So uh, a, f- a good friend of my family's had uh, – he's a physician and he knew that I had a background in politics and was considering developing this distillery and had approached me and said, listen, would you be willing to put you know, your background and experience in and helping us with marketing and all the processes necessary to get our federal and state licenses? And I said, sure, I'd be happy to jump in and participate. And so – for those that know me, if I get into something, I really don't like to take a passive role. So I jumped in and helped develop the platform, helped develop the product, got it out across the state. And there's always struggles when you're a small business. Um, we're always looking to expand production, and that, that's always an issue. But I'm proud of what we've been able to do. I think it's an outstanding product set. And what's also really nice is it. The property itself is on the county line between Licking and Knox counties and literally across from a restaurant called Watts that's been there for over 100 years in the little community of Utica, Ohio. It's a village. And I've been going there since I was a kid. I used to go there with my mom and dad and my sister when I was in the fourth grade. And on Sunday night, they have this great fried chicken. (laughs) And since then, ownership has changed at the restaurant, but it remains the same wonderful food, wonderful community And great support. So to have something out there uh, like that has really helped the community bond. We have great neighbors. We have the Branstle Orchards right down the street from us. And we have the the, uh, Dagger family. They own um, Velvet velvet Ice Cream that's over 100 years as well in age. And so it's created a nice community in order for people to have something a little different to get out of the city and go and travel. It's a beautiful area. And it's nice to give back a little bit to the community that was so kind to us when we were kids and where we grew up.
1: And people can tour.
2: They can tour. They can come. We're open um, six days a week, Uh, in particular on weekends. A lot of people come in and tour. They can see how it's made. They can see how the grains come in, how the process uh, takes place. And we also have a retail location. Many of the buildings on the several acres are over a hundred years old. so it's nostalgic. it's I think to a certain degree original. Well the wonderful thing about it is not only the products that we develop but the people that come in and the stories they tell us relative to their gr- grandmother making booze you know <laughs> in the in the basement when they were kids or how they used to sell uh, particular types of product that they would create on behalf of their families or wines. The history of alcohol is something that I'm very passionate about, and we researched it quite at some level, both in the development of the brewery and in the development of the distillery, to see how deep the roots were in the Midwest and in Ohio. So for example, alcohol was a commodity for many, many years, and many of the laborers, for example, that created and built a number of the structures in that community did so and received payment. Um, by receiving funds, rather than funds, receiving alcohol for payment. A product called Applejack was very popular at that point. So it was an apple brandy because we had so many apples in the Midwest, Mm -hmm. and they would receive payment with Applejack. So to see that process and what happened with respect to Prohibition and how that destroyed many of the smaller distilleries across the Midwest, and to see this renaissance of what, we at some level are participating in is really an exciting thing.
1: It is. It's, it's just, it's a cool industry. I'm glad that legislation is supportive, at least more supportive. And I'm sure we have a ways to go Yes. still with, with things changing rapidly, but it's great to see, you know, it moving along. It's
2: exciting. It is. People are so accepting of it and they're so supportive of it. And,
1: and creative. I they mean, I, are. Think I see the partnerships that are happening between distilleries and breweries and coffee shops and, you know, the farms. I mean, the, just the partnerships that are able to be formed with uh, spent grain and.
2: Yes, that. those relationships and the creativity between small businesses is really exciting to see. It is, especially with a newer industry that really needs to do that to be successful. There's not the kind of working capital that you would have with a big industry or big companies. So you have to be creative. And I think that's also an exciting part of what we do.
1: So tell our listeners how they can find Mill Street Distillery.
2: Sure. Mill Street Distillery is in Utica, Ohio. So it's northeast of New Albany, about 20 minutes or so on Route 62. And it's right in downtown Utica, the village of Utica. And uh, you can look it up online as well. And there is an Instagram account along with web presence through facebook in addition to that we have all of our retail products and there are three there's a bourbon whiskey in general and a grappa which is a brandy that's aged in american oak and we're very proud of that product because it received national accolades so those three products are available in most of your liquor stores in central ohio all the giant eagles kroger's their state liquor stores and independent liquor stores as well
1: fantastic so now we're going to transition sure. into your newest project, Yes, which is located, I'm proud to say, in the Tri-Village area. Certainly is, And uh, it's Endeavor Brewing.
2: That's right. So Endeavor let's talk about Brewing. Endeavor
1: and how that came about and, and <clears throat> uh, just fill us in. Well, it's up to date.
2: It's really an amazing, from my perspective, an amazing thing as to how it all came together. There's a gentleman and good friend and business partner of mine by the name of Scott Talmadge, and he has a long pedigree in the Grandview area left to go to school in Colorado, came back. His family has been successful in a number of different businesses. If I remember correctly, I believe his mother taught as well in the Grandview school system. And Scott uh and I met through a project where I was reaching out to a number of the local breweries in as far as developing relationships as you were mentioning earlier in the in the podcast about how small businesses get together. And We have a commodity by virtue of having our use bourbon barrels that can be used for a number of different purposes. In particular, the thing that I was seeking was a business that was similar in nature and a philosophical, uh, business ideas with respect to putting beer in the bourbon barrels and then determining how we can create, you know, creative new businesses or products. And so through that relationship, we created a, a product called Wonder Barrel, which I'm biased, but it's one of the best beers that I've ever had in my entire life. We actually had this beer placed in this barrel for about 90 days or so, if I remember correctly. And then I waited with bated breath with my friends and family, and we tried it, and it was just outstanding. And at that point, the the existing brewery that Scott was participating in, that we were doing work together, was having some difficulties. And Scott and I discussed the opportunity of of purchasing the asset <coughs> itself – and turning it into a different direction. And that's where the concept came together. We had looked at other breweries as well. The idea was that we wanted to develop a brewery and that based on my background that I had previously mentioned and Scott's background, that we really wanted to have something that was a little different with a little bit of a different twist. And so the creative idea that revolved around Endeavor as it began to evolve was to develop a series of beers that were not just regional in nature, meaning so many of the breweries concentrate, for example, on Belgian-style ales or German-style ales. And because of my background coming from Latin America and the privilege that I received, as I mentioned to you, and working for the State Department and traveling all over the world, I have had an opportunity to experience both alcohol products and retail products all over the world, as has Scott. Scott's fluent in Spanish, as am I. He happens to have a home in Chile, so he travels back and forth from Latin America quite a bit. And we ended up having a lot of commonalities between ourselves. And so we thought, wouldn't it be neat to develop a brewery of some sort that concentrated on developing products from around the world? And that's how Endeavor was born. So we knew we needed – I can't change the oil in my car. So, I mean, <laughs> if you left it up to me, really the beer would be atrocious. But we knew we needed a quality brewer. So we reached out to a gentleman by the name of Cameron Lloyd, who is trained in Germany. He's American. And he actually had produced some of the beers for the our predecessor. And we interviewed him and talked to him along with several other brewers and said, you know what? We really needed an anchor for production, Cameron. Was very pleased to jump in on the idea. And we began to raise the capital to do the acquisition and create the business. And so, as of just a few weeks ago, we launched the new business. And it's been a wonderful response, great feedback from the community. Your ratings and
1: are off the charts. That's so They're kind so of you. Good. That's so they kind really of you. Are-
2: it's been, you know, as I said, to have a team and it's all about a wonderful team. So the majority of the team that we have are individuals that were with the previous organization, and we've established some very detailed um, standard operating procedures. I'm a huge, huge supporter of ensuring that you have basic business principles in place. It's one thing about the enthusiasm of creating a business and moving forward, but I think all too often it's easy to overlook developing standard protocol. So I'm a huge, huge fan of a, of an author by the name of Vern Harnish. And I've anybody that knows me with regards to the business side of my uh, equation knows that. I hand out a book called Mastering the Rockefeller Principles by Vern Harnish, and it's really distills down, no pun intended, (laughs) five key elements associated with business that are important for any business to be successful. He studied the top 100 American corporations over the last 150 years and determined that those five key principles are absolutely critical for success. And so we have implemented those protocols within our business to ensure that we try not to leave anything to chance with regards to our success. So the business itself is going in the right direction. Now Um, the whole concept is really about the opportunity to participate with us. And we, our tagline is embark with us. So it's really an adventure. People can come in. They don't necessarily have to drink. They can come and get exposed to a variety of different things from around the world. We have um, food that's being developed by local uh, companies, but, Against their, their internationally influence, so black radish creamery, uh, they're good friends of mine. They have a wonderful spot over in the north market. They make uh, cheeses and these extravagant little uh, dates that are stuffed with cheese and almonds. Mm-hmm. I mean, the stuff they make is just amazing. Almost and lunchtime. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's been that's great, and it's again, it's just the whole concept of and en- enforcing or engaging people to participate in something that maybe is a little bit outside of the norm. So in addition to that, what's so neat about it is that we started conversations early with the oldest distributor of beer in Ohio, and um, that's Columbus Distributing, and they have been just amazing. So if you can imagine, we did our launch now, uh, I think it's been three weeks ago or so, and then just yesterday we did our launch outside so it's called on-premise and off-premise sales into restaurants and bars across central ohio and we had an outstanding day yesterday we had we were so well received by many of the largest restaurants and bars we're now in 20 new bars and restaurants across central ohio if if you can imagine you know how giddy you can be when you wake up in the morning and you go to the brewery and you see an eighteen wheeler with Anheuser Busch on the side of it, owned by one of the largest alcohol producers in the world, loading up your little breweries' kegs in the back to go ship them out. I mean, Feels I pretty fantastic. I, it was exciting. Yeah. I mean, it just yeah.
1: It's going to be exciting to walk into some local restaurants and see your your tap handles. And- yeah,
2: it's it's. Uh, I'm sorry, I get a little emotional, but it's uh <laughs> yeah. It's great. It's fun.
1: So. Yeah let alone the distillery industry that has taken off a bit in Uh um, the past few years, clearly the craft brew industry has just crazy, crazy growth. And so how do you, I mean, I think you've, I think you've answered this question, but um, if there's one clear thought that you can uh, put out there as how do you distinguish yourself to, for longevity? I mean, there's, there's a lot of great craft beer, happening right now and, and being brewed. And certainly you know, there is, I don't know how much of a trend it is. And I don't know how much of a wave, you know, there is to ride. And, and how do you, how do you it's, set yourself?
2: There plan? are some fantastic craft breweries across Ohio. And I'm so proud to say that we're a part of that now. And I wish them all the best. And we do as much as we possibly can to help them. And they in turn support us. It's a wonderful community. But we also understand that at a certain level, there will be a process through attrition or otherwise where the businesses will begin to, you know, weed themselves out at some level. Some will be acquired. Some will close down. That happens in any business. So <clears throat> the best that we can do is really produce the highest quality products that we can possibly produce and get them out into individuals' hands so they can experience them. And so my perspective on it is that as long as you can ensure that you keep your eye on the ball in three particular areas, and that is ensuring that you've got high-quality personnel that really care about what you're doing and care about people because we're all animals and we have instincts, we realize exactly whether a person cares. So that masquerade behind legitimately feeling like you can respond or care about what a person thinks – doesn't go very far if you're not sincere. Secondarily, I think the product, the product is critical. I mentioned that before. You gotta have a quality product. You have to ensure that it's gonna be competitive with anybody in the world. You have to legitimately feel that you can do that. If you don't feel that you can compete with other businesses at that level, then the ability to scale is really unrealistic. Lastly, the process, and I mentioned it earlier, What's the process that you have in place? What are the goals and objectives? What's the mechanism that you've got in order to meet those goals and objectives? So those three 3 areas, the people, the product, and the process are key. So over time, some of them will not be successful. I wish them all the best, but I think we have a great opportunity in the long run in Ohio to really excel across the country. We are producing some fantastic products in Ohio, and I'm so proud to say that at least at some level I've been involved and to contribute towards it. So it's wonderful to see that. I mean, it hasn't been that long since our state has made these changes in laws, so to say that in this short period of time we've been able to advance the ball as much as we have is really a wonderful thing for all of us to be proud of.
1: Absolutely, it is. And – First, tell us where people can find Endeavor, and then we'll, we'll wrap up with with a final thought.
2: Sure. Uh, Endeavor is located on, at 909 West 5th Avenue, right in the Tri-Village area, Caddy corner from McDonald's, and the Fortin Ironworks. We're also right next to Goodwill and White Castle's administrative offices. The product can be purchased there on site. And we, as I just mentioned, we've rolled out now to 20 new retail establishments over the last 48 hours. And so you can come to our website or or any of our social media, and we'll begin to provide you information on where else you can pick up our beers. We're in negotiations now for the crew, so we expect to be in the crew stadium and a large presence for the new uh, season next year. We are a soccer bar in particular, so that's a worldly-type sport that – is consistent with our adventure and our theme, which is kind of exciting too. So we have a lot of people that follow a number of the European and international leagues. We do a lot with sports, so come on out anytime we we embrace having you over and experiencing what we're so excited about at, at Endeavor.
1: Wonderful. Well, my favorite part of doing this podcast is that uh, we get we get stories. We get the stories behind the businesses, and mm-hmm. you know this is this is a relatively small tight-knit community and uh you know people have shopped in these boutiques or eaten at these restaurants and um that's great but hearing the story behind it i I think is really special and i think what's really cool about you is well you have the distillery you have the brewery but you have this incredible passion as a person and um i I love hearing all of that um come together and and the whys and the what's behind Mm. all the stories um If you received somewhere along the lines in your life uh, a great piece of advice that you would share with somebody just starting a business, a business is your passion, what would you share as a parting thought?
2: You know, I think it's overstated, but you need to be passionate about what you're doing. You really need to – this absorbs everything in your life. You will make tremendous sacrifices with your family members not being able to spend the time that you wish you could have with them. And you need to understand that if you don't have the passion for what you're doing, it's not worth doing. it It's better to spend time in a nine-to-five job, and it's better to be able to share, from my perspective, your life with your family members. Because as an entrepreneur, you need to be realistic that you're going to be pulled in a lot of directions. And it goes back full circle to what you asked me about initially. My dad would be called at 3 o'clock in the morning. And I I would say sincerely that that would be a more legitimate reason than with the businesses that I'm involved in. He would be called in because he would go to try to save a life. But I would I get called all the time. And you also need to set your parameters. You know, your business can't be everything to you. You have to understand your own priorities. So once you establish those priorities, do your best to – to remain and focused, uh, objective, and passionate, and share your time with your family as well. Because I have a 5-year-old little one and a 14-year-old little one, and time flies. Before you know it, they're out of the nest, and you regret not spending time with them. So you got to balance those, those things, too.
1: So passion yes. and priorities. yes. Great. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Get out to Mill Street and and certainly check out Endeavor. Uh, you can uh, Dig Vest is going to be one beer better this year. So I'm oh, very excited that's kind to have of you. you. I look and,
2: forward to that in the summer. It's yeah, always it's such a great, great event. You guys do a wonderful job. So thank, thank, you. thank you all.
1: Thanks for joining us. Thank you,
2: Michelle.
0: Thanks for subscribing, downloading, and listening to Business Inspires, a monthly podcast of the Tri Village Chamber Partnership. Our innovative and active chamber is successful because of our smart and engaged members who cultivate our strong business community. With more than 60 years as an integral part of the Grandview, Upper Arlington, and Marble Cliff communities, the Tri-Village Chamber Partnership is dedicated to a single purpose, the success of the business community. You can find a link to our website in the podcast notes to learn more about the Tri-Village Chamber Partnership. For information about this podcast, to schedule a guest appearance, or to find out more about sponsoring this podcast, our contact information is in the podcast notes. Make sure you rate and review our podcast on iTunes. That helps us spread the word about Business Inspires. Circle270media.com At the bank of Antandek, See what's possible at Santander All applications are subject to status and our lending criteria Your home may be repossessed if you do not keep up repayments on your mortgage With Rapid Insurance on Vodafone Business We'll get a replacement phone to you within four hours So if you should Oh no Or even Just get in touch and we'll Your replacement phone sir Your phone replaced within four hours With our Rapid Insurance Available on our new and limited data plans the future is exciting. Ready? Vodafone Business.
1: Max download, upload, speed, apply to data. Coverage may vary. Unlimited and rapid terms at vodafone.co.uk terms.